We've been in a series from the New Testament book of 1 John, and if you've been following the card and email with the series, you'll have seen that today's passage is a long one. So we have a couple of people who are going to come up and read for us. Um, Noel and Ryan Hur are going to start reading, um, if you have your Bible or device, the end of chapter 2, verse 28, and through the remainder of chapter 3. Thank you. All right, good morning, everybody. It's First John two twenty-eight through First John three twenty-four. And now, dear children, remain in fellowship with Christ, so that when He returns, you will be full of courage and not shrink back from Him in shame. Since we, since we know that Christ is right, or is righteousness, and also know that all who do that or who do what is right, are God's children. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him. For we will see him as he really is, and all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure, just as he is pure. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away all our, or take away our sins, and there is no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin but anyone who keeps in keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is dear children don't let anyone deceive you about this when people do what is right it shows that they are righteous even as Christ is righteous but when people keep on sinning it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning but the son of god came to destroy the works of the devil Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. So so now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. This is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We must not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil, and his brother had been doing what was righteous. So don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. If we love our Christian brothers and sisters, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let Let's not merely say that we love each other, 
Let us show that to show the truth by our actions. Our actions will will show that we belong to the truth, so that we will be confident when we stand before God, even even if we find or even if we feel guilty. God is greater than our feelings, and he knows everything. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence, and we will receive from him whatever we ask, because we obey him and do the things that please him. And this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he commanded us. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him, and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. Great. Thanks very much. Thanks, Ryan. Now, as you just heard, this passage is a long one. And really, it's far too long to do justice to it as a whole. So I want to do uh, this morning a couple of things. One will be very short. Um, I want to get a, a big picture view of First John, just to see where this fits in. And then we're going to spend the rest of our time just focused on three verses in the middle of chapter 3. Now, for the first piece, giving this big picture of 1 John, um, you'll see up on the screen, you might remember this, those of you who have been through uh, here for the series, a great video that we used um, for the first message in uh, this series on 1 John. It's from the Bible Project. And it gave a great overview of the entire book of 1 John. And this is a screen capture of the very end of the video. And what you'll see there is the two sides. The left side says God is light. That's the first part um, of 1 John. And then the second part, God is love. And they're both linked by that short little phrase you'll see at the top. This is the message. Where we are in, in the end of chapter 2 and the rest of cha- or all of chapter 3 is the transition point between those two. Now, one of the things I loved about the video is it talked about 1 John as a poetic sermon, and you'll see the arrows going back and forth. There are several themes that, that go back and forth through the book of John. Gets repeated, stops, comes back to it again. Um, several of them, life, truth, and love. And love is, where we'll be ta- is what we'll be talking about today. Um, and so what, we, what we're at in this chapter is, as it's going back and forth, love has already been mentioned, but this is where it really starts to take focus. From the middle of chapter 3 onward to the end of the book, um, love one another, God is love, those kinds of things are what you find over and over again. Now, what we're going to do is, as we look at this, we're going to focus a little bit more on some of the ways that God has shown his love to us and what he wants us to do with it, right? Um, so what you see are some of these phrases that are up on the screen in 1 John. Aside from God is love, says that we should love one another, right? Very common phrase that we find in the New Testament. Love our Christian brothers and sisters. And then this last one from the negative side, that anyone who does not love other believers does not belong to God. Now, the last side that we're going to look at is what we're going to see in the verses we'll look at. If you have your Bible or device still available, chapter 3, verses 16 to 18. And this is about love being shown in practical ways, very concrete and tangible ways. So follow along as I read these verses. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. 
So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. So again, this side of love is what I'm calling love's practicality. Now, in our culture, love is most often thought of primarily as an emotion. And it is. It is an emotion. But it does go beyond that. It takes into account our attitudes and our actions. And it's this last part that we're going to focus on today. So again, don't ever lose sight of the breadth of what love is, that it is an emotion, but more than that, attitudes and action. Now, when it comes to love for other people, this is what this is talking about, that we need to, in some way, whichever way is is most suited for this situation, we need to do something tangible and concrete when we become aware of someone else's needs. It's not complicated. It's pretty straightforward, really. Um, But it's also pretty strong stuff, and we don't want to lose sight of this message. Now, this is not like some other parts of 1 John, that there are things that are just hard to understand. And you read it and you think, what is that about? That's not the case with this one, right? Um, It reminds me of this great quote from Mark Twain, where he said something to this effect. It's not the parts of the Bible that I don't understand that bother me. It's the parts of the Bible that I do understand that bother me. And this is one of them, right? Um, Nothing hard to understand about it, right? I think even our world, our culture would say, yeah, if you really love somebody, you need to show it in some way. It needs to to be seen in some tangible way. Um, But the scripture is very clear about this as well. Again, not hard to understand. Maybe not always so easy to put into practice. Now, right up front, I, I, I need to say that I'm well aware that love is one of those words that we use all the time and sometimes it, it just becomes so big and so broad that it can lose some of its punch, right? Um, we may use it in terms of relationships. I love this person. And even within that common way that we speak about it, it means different things, right? I say that I love my wife sitting over here, right? I love my kids. I love my grandkids. But I love my grandkids. They were with us over the weekend, right? They went home last night, right? I love my granddaughters. They, they are the most special people around for me. But it's different from how I love my wife, right? We also talk about it in terms of food, right? I'm from San Diego. I grew up loving Mexican food, right? That's just part of who I am, right? We say we love our cars. We use it with our pets. We have a 12-year-old Springer Spaniel, and she is probably not going to live that much longer. She had got diabetes about a year ago. I never knew that dogs use the same kind of insulin that people do until I had to go out and start buying it. I give our dog two shots a day of insulin. Does that mean that I love my dog? Well, probably does, yeah. Um, I think that's, it's, it's showing it, right? But again, do I love my dog the way I love my granddaughters? Uh, I hope not, um, right? Um, We love our sports teams. Now, Julie and I were in Philadelphia in the middle of January on a Saturday night when they played the Falcons. And my wife had her Brent Selleck jersey on. There were a bunch of other people with all sorts of Eagles jerseys on. And can I tell you, if there was any time I doubted how much 
a city loved its team? Well, <laughs> all doubt went out that night, right? Some of you would start singing along, E-A-G, yeah, right? You know, <laughs> some of you are, you love your sports teams. And on and on, right? Um, and then not only that, but then the Bible speak, uses the word love when speaking about God, saying God is love. It talks about God loving us and that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart and mind and soul and strength. And then echoing what many other scriptures say in these verses, in, in verse 16, it says, we're given the example of what real love is because Jesus gave, gave up his life for us. And then not only that, but you think, okay, love other people, yeah. But then it says to love our enemies. And if there's ever a part of the Bible you, you might not want to like, it's that one. I don't want to love my enemies, right? But God's not letting us off the hook. He, he's saying, no, you even have to do that. So simply put, with all the ways that it's used and sometimes with its misuse and sometimes with its abuse, this word love is hard to get around, both in our world and from God's perspective. So it's made clear to us that love needs to be shown in practical and tangible ways. It's interesting that in these verses, it says, we ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters, as though it's to the point of sacrificing our lives for them. And maybe that might very occasionally need to happen. Other parts of the world, sometimes it does. And then John shifts a big shift here because then he's immediately, rather than just some sort of ideal and very sacrificial, he says, oh, yes, and when you've got money and you see somebody else that has needs, help them out. It's like, where'd that come from? But the point is, John is saying, yes, if we are to be sacrificial, if we're to look out for other people, then don't miss the people right in front of you, right? If you see someone that has a need and you've got the means to help them, do it. it. Again, it's not complicated. Um, so that's what this is about. What I want to do is give a few snapshots of what this looks like. But um, I told some people earlier in the week, this was like a softball pitch kind of passage for me. Now, I know I got to pick from a, a large section. But this passage that I read, the three verses, are what we use as the basis for some of our ministries here at the church, um, of giving financially, of helping just make sure that, that if somebody's got some sort of need, that it's met. Um, you've heard of a softball pitch like for an interview. It's the interviewer is given really easy questions. And, well, this was a softball pitch sort of passage for me because um, I'm very privileged to be able to do the kinds of things that I do. So, again, uh, just a few snapshots of what this looks like here at the church. One obvious place to start is with financial assistance for people who are in need. Again, the, bi- the scripture says money, right? It, it's not letting us go. It says if you've got money, then use it. Um, and so that's part of what we do. I'm not aware of any other church I've ever come across that doesn't have in some way some mechanism that they financially help people out. For us here, we call it our Dorcas Fund. Um, we also have something called our Giving Tree Collection that we do in December. And what it does is, there, and, and this is all of you giving, right? This is all of you doing it. You're making it possible for us as a church to help people that have some sort of need. I mean, and it's just an awesome thing to be part of it. Now, 
most of, of what we do with it, though, has to remain confidential. But I want to give you a little bit of an idea of some of the ways that we do help other people out. Um, one of them is making some, or paying for, I should say, paying for renovations that some people have had to have done on their houses. Um, we don't say much about that, but again, again, because we need to keep it confidential. But we've been able to do some really necessary work for some people in the church that just absolutely needed to be done. We've covered mortgage payments, rent payments, utility bills, and because it's still this time of year, boy, when the new year hit, it got cold deliveries of heating oil. Um, we're, we're just making sure that people have what they need. And having heat this time of year is an absolute need. There's no question about it. So those are some of the things that we're making sure are getting done. Now, along this line, I want to include a word about the generosity that you showed through the Giving Tree collection. Now, um, one of the things that was done with that, it was $16,500 was collected in December, but $4,100 of that was gift cards. Now, I mention that because gift cards are not tax deductible, right? I know there's a lot going on with our tax code and some changes, but a lot of you, $4,100 worth, gave gift cards that are for groceries and gas mostly. And so I still have a good stack in my office, no surprise, with that much. But it's an awesome thing for me to be able to have those basic necessities to help people out and just to be able to give in that sort of way. But there's one thing that I find really difficult, though, with being the, the point person for this, and that's when I get requests and I'm not able to do anything about it. Because there are times that somebody needs something that frankly we, we wouldn't be able to provide or it's either too big or it's too specific. And the, the biggest one for me, and probably once a month, I get a call from someone who's either being evicted or they're already living out of their car. They're homeless. And there are times we can help. We'll help sometimes with a security deposit, that kind of thing. But we haven't got anything just for me to say, yeah, I, I've got this place. It's something that we're working on. We are working on that kind of thing. Um, but there are times that I just feel at a loss, and I'm just not sure what, what to do, other than to point someone to other resources or other organizations that could help. Now, along the same line, but in a, from a different fund, um, we have something that our church is part of. In Mannheim, we have what's called the Mannheim Church's Assistance Fund. What that is is all the churches plus some individuals and some businesses contribute to this fund that we have available to help people primarily that have no church connection. Now, in the last few years, there was someone from the CAP office that used to handle those calls. Last few years before, or since then, it was somebody from Salem United Methodist. And right now, I'm the person that's taking those calls. Now, again, most of the people have no connection with any church but we have funds to be able to help them out. Similar things to what we do as a church, whether with rent or um, utility payments or heating, that kind of thing. Now, just to give you a feel of it, because you might think, this is Lancaster County. This is Mannheim, right? There's a lot here, and there is. But do you realize that after Lancaster City and Columbia, Mannheim is the neediest community in Lancaster County? Did you realize that? I was surprised when I started doing this, and then it's like, oh, my goodness, there are a lot of needs out here. 
And so it's just to say, with the amount of people we help, on average, I get one call a day through the year, about 350 calls last year. Um, we helped 140 of those people. Sometimes multiple occasions, you, know, you give them $20 of gas, and they'll come back at, for uh, other times with it. But it's just a lot of need that's out there. And again, as a church is together, we're trying to take this kind of thing on. Another way we've tried to implement this as a church is through what's called the Mannheim Project. Up on the screen there. The last four summers, we have taken part in this. The idea of it is that we help people that need some sort of house repairs done. And typically, it's just people in the Mannheim Central School District. And there were eight churches last year. At this point, we've got the same eight, and we're looking to bring a couple of other churches on. And what we do is we, um, we hear about the needs, and then each, they get, the needs get divvied out to each of the churches, and then they run with getting them done. Now here, we, um, there's Brian Huber. Brian, you here. Or is he just, there you are. All right. That's Brian Huber underneath those uh, ear, ear things that he's got on there, beating up some concrete, right? Um, we do all sorts of things with the work that we, we do. Um, we had over 40 volunteers last year, did 14 different projects. Um, in the end, we did a couple of people from the church that needed something done. We had some time at the end of the week. We're going to be doing this again in July, the end of July. You'll see more information in next week's bulletin about it. Um, but again, we're going to be part of this. If you feel like this would be something um, where you can help out, please do. Um, you don't need to have any building skills. Good thing is that we have some people that do have them. Um, I don't. I can demolish something. Um, I can paint. So if you can do things like that, again, we can, we can put you to work. But again, there will be more information coming out about that next week. But what do we do with this, right? See, there's one potential downside of me talking about what we're doing as a church. See, it is important that we, we are doing this as a church, right? Um, but there are many times when you as an individual or as a family or as part of a small group, you hear things where somebody needs something. And this doesn't let us off the hook right? You might think, ah, the church is doing it. Great. I'm done. <laughs> well, it's not that way. No, we, we've all got occasion. We all have occasions where we need to step in and do what needs to be done. Um, there are a lot of ways that we can show love to people. And again, you'll know some of this, but it can be things like making or organizing meals for somebody who's had a surgery, right? We have, we have a mechanism here in the church. We have a meal ministry, but there are times that some of you just run with it. Your small group does it, and we don't need to, to expand it beyond it. It's great. Or sometimes you know of friends and you know, just want to do that kind of thing. It can be giving somebody a ride when they need to go to a doctor's appointment. I've got one guy I helped to organize rides for him just to get to the doctor every month and just had another couple tell me that they're available for rides. But sometimes you can just do that on your own. Um, just run with it. Um, take someone out for groceries. You ever done that? Or have you ever seen, I, I've heard of this, I've never actually seen it in practice, but somebody, and very often it's, it's somebody with a bunch of kids and they're all frazzled by the time they get to the checkout line, and then they find out the person in front of them paid for it. And you just think, wow, that's incredible. You know, again, there, there are ways that we can do this kind of thing, and it, you don't have to wait until you're you know, hearing about it through some official capacity. Um, we can just get on and do it. Just yesterday, I saw a GoFundMe page 
asking for donations to help a young guy who has cancer. And he was hoping to be able to work while he was getting chemo, but it, it's just not going to happen. He, he's just, it's just weakening him too much. And it drives me crazy that a society that this still happens. I, I, I don't like it that somebody who's sick through no fault of their own is in a place where they need help. But at least right now, there is a GoFundMe page to help out. Again, you'll hear of things like that. You can contribute. You know, it, there's all sorts of ways, again, in which we can put this into practice. Now, one final word. There are some people who, unfortunately, and I think inaccurately, divide the world into givers and takers. Now, I can tell you from what I do with taking as many calls as I do, yes, there are people who are takers, right? They're, they'll want to take advantage of me. There's not that many, though, really. Um, what I find is more true is that things ebb and flow. And by that, I mean this, that sometimes people who are generally needing help, sometimes they are able to give to help somebody else. And sometimes the other way, that some people who are generally givers, they love to give, but something happens, and they can't, and so they need to accept help themselves. Um, again, there's this ebb and flow that, that I'm aware of that just seems to happen very regularly. One person I know gets by on a very limited income. If I would mention the amount she, she lives on over the course of a year, you'd probably wonder how she survives. But she does, and sometimes we do help her out. Most recently, when it got cold, and we put some propane in her tank. Um, but what she does is she makes meals for people. She can't do a lot, but with the little bit she has, she will sometimes make meals. She'll freeze it, and when she hears about somebody who, for whatever reason, needs something, pull it out of her freezer and give it to them. And I think, what an awesome thing. She can't do a lot, but she can do that. And then I know other people who typically like to help others, but then they hit a bump in the road. And very often, I, I'm seeing that it's health reasons. For some reason, something has gone wrong with their health. They either can't work as much as they usually do, or um, they've just got to stop, and they need help. Now, it's really interesting for me just to as I've just sort of been doing this for a long time, um, even before I came on the staff here, um, those people don't often like to ask for help. So sometimes I will go to them and I'll say, hey, look, can we get some groceries for you or can we help out to do something like that? A lot of times what they'll say to me is, there are a lot of people that are worse off than me. And you know what? There are. But what I usually try to say is, Yes, but right now you need some help, and it's okay. Um, and so what's important is sometimes for those of us who are givers, and probably a lot of us in this room are, we love to give, um, but sometimes we do need help. And it's just to sometimes say, okay, I don't like it, but I, I do need some help right now. And to let other people bless you by doing that kind of thing. See, what I like to remind them is that sometimes... If they won't, don't want to take it, <laughs> they're robbing someone of a blessing that wants to give to help out, right? That's just part of what it is. So as the band makes its way back up here, they say, what does love look like? And John reminds us, you know, it's right here, very clearly. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. So what are we doing, right? As a church, 
thank God that we're able to do what we're doing. I really am very grateful to be able to do what I do. But it is for all of us, again, when we see the needs are around us, to respond to them. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for being so generous to us and so loving of us that you gave your son and you made it possible for us to know what love is. But from that, you also tell us to love each other, to love those and to show it in practical ways when they have some tangible needs. So Lord, be at work in us all. Thanks for the generosity of this church and the way that you've enabled us to help out. Lord, thank you for the other churches and the way we're able to join together to help out. But the needs are so great, and we all come across them. So give us open hearts to you and to what you want to do through us. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.